0: Welcome to the Rapid Change Matters Podcast. My name is Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis, or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm interviewing top therapists and agents of change who are out there getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I just wanted to let you know that I've written a quick-to-read downloadable PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, with some great tips on getting your therapeutic suggestions to really sizzle. You can download this for free from rapidchange.works, where you can also find all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. So today, I'm thrilled to be sitting here chatting with Felix Economakis, who you may well have seen dealing with hyperphobics on BBC3's The Panic Room, with a 100% success rate, as well as using more conventional approaches on the TV show Freaky Eaters. He's a chartered psychologist, clinical hypnotherapist and NLP master practitioner, and a great example of someone who's out there putting real, rapid change into practice. Hello, Felix.
1: Hello, Howard. Good to speak
0: with you great to speak with you too so we're gonna jump straight in if we can and could you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, what you do and how you got started
1: oh gosh well um, I was always into personal development books um, and just reading tons of them and getting into Anthony Robbins and self-improvement around the age of 27 I thought you know what I really like this I should look into it as a career so I started off with psychology and along the way, I came across Milton Erickson from his strategic systemic therapy work. And um, he keeps mentioning hypnosis. Now, Erickson did hypnosis, Erickson tried hypnosis. I so, thought, well, you know, I've always thought of it as a little bit of a uh, slightly out there thing, hypnosis. You know, But if it's good enough for Erickson, well, it's good enough for me. So I looked into hypnosis and started training with that as well in a more uh, uh, formal way with an LCCH. And uh, you hear about NLP or what's that? So I got, got into NLP. And then, of course, you kind of cherry-pick what works for you. So uh, I picked the stuff that I really like that relates to me and made it into my own kind of approach. And, uh, yeah, uh, 16 years later or so, been going strong.
0: As you know, I've got a a real passion about rapid change. Mm -hmm. And I think there are some misnomers out there about what constitutes, uh, about how uh, therapeutic intervention works, namely that things like it's about you have to understand you know where a problem comes from for in order for it to go away or that you have to have deep analysis or relive past traumas um are these misnomers that you've come across also and where do you think these ideas come from
1: oh gosh absolutely i i share in fact listening to your other podcast there's a central theme to all the rapid change workers um and you, you just basically said them all number one you don't actually need detail Unless the, the client really wants to explore, fine, you know, it's, it's their, their money, but you don't actually need to do it to make change. I think it comes from a lot of the therapy field, from really outdated, psychodynamic, psychoanalytical backgrounds that there's this idea that if you really get into it, you have this insight, everything will fall in place. And as we know, that's just not true. You just don't need to do it that way. Um, so, you know, everyone thinks it's got to be a journey. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. Not really. Just got to know how the system works. It's a bit like um, uh, Steve mentioned about a virus protection software. You don't know exactly what ticks it off. All you've got to know how to do is change the settings. And you know, I really like that metaphor. I don't know how it works. I don't know what to set it off. All I know is I can help change the settings to make it appropriate and updated.
0: So um, I, you mentioned uh, Dr. Milton H. Erickson. yes. There is a suggestion that he's made previously that people have difficulties and problems when there is maybe a misalignment or somehow their unconscious and conscious mind are not aligned towards the same direction. Is that a view you would agree with?
1: Actually, it is. Uh, I'm a a great believer of that. And my my first book was all about this relationship that its problems are a function of the relationship between the subconscious and conscious minds, like a management and staff problem. And if you have a good management, the whole system is happy and thriving. And if you don't, you look at generally you look at the management. You know, how is the the conscious mind managing all these different uh, systems and parts inside? And I think once that is cleared up, everything else falls in place.
0: So how would you go about working with someone to help align, you know, unconscious and conscious? Well, Now, there's two different kinds of
1: clients. So one client is, um, it's a fairly straightforward thing where I just work on the symptoms. Mm -hmm. And with some clients, it's really about teaching them how to manage themselves better. So I'm a great fan of parts therapy. I use these metaphorical examples of you're the CEO and these are all your staff and let's, you know, chat with each one and see what's going on and this is what you need to do. And that can work in both a hypnotic and non-hypnotic way as well. But it seems to really work. I think once... You know, but when you look at happy people and I believe people are systems and systems are out of alignment. And you think, well, what do happy people do that makes them alignment? And we come back to human givens model about all the needs are met. You need to know how to meet these needs. You need to know what the needs are in the first place. And you need to have good tools to, to, to get these needs met. And everything else just falls into place. It kind of auto corrects. So it's a very good model. It's the model I subscribe to as well.
0: And I know because I've spoken to many people in the past uh, who they they may be cast aspersions on the idea of parts uh, mm. therapy because they go, well, I can't find how where's the where is the part? Where's the proof of the part?
1: Right. Okay. I mean, I've. I discussed this in detail in, in my in my training, which I'm just doing. I, it's going to take over your whole session <laughs> if I get into it, because um, yeah, I've got I, I think I've got pretty refutable evidence that parts exist. And just because you can't MRI them doesn't mean they don't exist. I mean, there's so many other things that uh, we take as a given, even though we can't measure them, if you think about it. So, you know, what, what's the goal of therapy? So the goal of therapy is we're selling change. Well, that's the way I look at it. Specifically, the idea that change is better than not changing, yeah? Now, if you think about this for a moment, if a client comes in for therapy, takes all this time and money to pay for a change they logically know is self-evidently better for them, well, why are they paying less money? Why not just stop doing it and change? Yeah? And people tell us all the time, I know what I'm doing is crazy or harmful and wasteful, but I can't stop doing it, so why not? Because if a person is already convinced but still no change, it stands to reason another part of them is not yet convinced. It still has the brakes on. So, you know, people spend 500 pounds going to the gym but never go, why? Clearly part of them is sufficiently interested to spend 500 pounds, but another part is against it. Now, there's endless examples from all our lives. So what I'm you to realize here is for change to happen, there needs to be an internal, unanimous jury. You need a majority in favor of or against the decision. So in essence, what I'm saying is the aim of therapy is to sell change to all the internal parts until there's a unanimous verdict for change. <laughs> and if the parts are convinced of the benefits of change, change will follow. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And if they're not, then it won't. So we come to this, if all therapy is in essence about negotiating a unanimous verdict for change, then all therapy is in essence a form of parts therapy in my book.
0: You mentioned that you, 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 you go into this in a lot more detail on your training um, yeah. where you talk about this. Can you tell us a little bit more about your, your training and your, your model?
1: Yeah, um, I've recently, I've been putting off for years, you know, because it's quite a lot of hard work to put it together to take time out. and I'm already sort of scrabbling for time, but I'm not getting any younger. And I think I don't want all this info, very expensive, hard one info to die with me if I get knocked over by a bus or something. Um, and obviously I'm going to help people as well. You know, I'm a one man band, you know, if I teach other people, this, it's going to help a lot more people. So I've put together a model, which I've now renamed yet again, but hopefully this is the final one. It's called the four R's model. Um, and those four R's stand for, um, rapport, which is really important. And then it's about reconciliation, which talks about reconciling the disparate parts that are fighting against each other. And then resolve, which is um, choosing a path that everyone is in alignment with. And then the final R is basically uh, release and replace or rehearse success, whatever needs to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends on uh, which path I go. And they're all kind of catchy. So lots of R's in there. But it's really a, a four-step model that I use all the time for pretty much everything. And there's you know, continuous, consistent results across the board. It's time to get it out there now.
0: And this is something that you do, as you mentioned, for all different areas, works well
1: with. Yeah, absolutely everything. So um, and it's I believe it's it's the keys to changing. These are things going on. So if you work with a system, um, this is where the changes in the system. This is how you can affect change. And like all NLP influenced people, I want to keep it as minimum and as lazy as possible so I don't have to do extra work.
0: So Felix, on a, on a different note, I know that you often do things uh, quite publicly that mm. challenge what many therapists or people from traditional therapeutic models deem as possible. Yes. Um, c- can you give us some examples of some of the stuff that you've done and and the reactions that you get?
1: Yeah. Now, I've I've got a lot of faith in my technique because I see results day in, day out. So my convincer has been sated for a while now. Mm. So I've had a couple, I often get some media company or another saying, we're thinking of uh, doing this program, you know, would you come in for an interview? And I say, would you like me to do a demonstration for you? You know, oh, yeah, well, that's even better. So um, I'll say to a person like, like I did recently, you know, I don't want to be hypnotized. I'm going to do a simple form. And even then I have faith that this is going to work. And I've chosen all my food phobia people. It's what I'm famous for. It's immediately measurable. And, you know, both occasions it's paid off really well. Um, I I do like taking risks, but I also, you know, I like to put my money where my mouth is. I I do know, I do believe this stuff works. So I'm not only going to do in a risk-free, cozy environment. I want to be out there, you know, who wins, uh, who dares wins. You know, I can, can believe in that as well. So I've done public demonstrations with, um, in, in what are they called auditions or interviews or whatever they are. Mm. And of course the TV work as well, you know, we've got a bunch of cameras on you and, uh, you're doing something and a couple of times I've done something I've never done before. I do like to stretch and challenge myself and, um, luckily so far it's paid off.
0: <laughs> and have there been times, cause I, I know, uh, we've spoken briefly about this, that, um, uh, there was a, a room full of, was it general practitioners, doctors, mm. who oh, yeah. had heard about some of the stuff that you did with selective eating disorder. Yeah. Um, and you ended up doing a demonstration, was it with a, a 10 or 11-year-old?
1: It was a 10-year-old, yeah. It was actually the daughter of the organizer. who was a GP herself. Um, so uh, I had seen actually her son for uh, selective eating before, and it worked really well. She was so impressed that she asked me to be one of the CPD kind of trainers, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know that's how it got in there, and um, I know that actually that the child had made some changes, but still had a block and some things, and it really was a ten minute demonstration, and he ate those things as well um so and and again i did I did a very stripped down version, but um, there's something where you're doing something live with a risk that actually can bring out the best in you in some ways because every neuron is firing. And uh, you're sort of in the moment. And, you know, I know some people get very nervous with that, but actually get excited quite like the challenge of that Mm. as well. And as I said, I think that's infectious because it seems to work.
0: The the thing that interests me is that I I would like to say that, Mm. you know, when a room full of GPs see a live demonstration that works successfully, that they would all immediately turn around and go, this is incredible. We've just (laughs) witnessed this. Um, yes. please can you, can you show us how that can be done how can we learn yes. is is that what happened
1: unfortunately not well let, that's not quite true about six people I think expressed a lot of interest and said where can I train mm. what was this and in a room of 70 people now not everybody necessarily wanted to be there you know it's part of their ongoing they're all trainees so they had to attend. So some people were checking their, you know, Facebook account or I don't know what. Mm-hmm. Um, but six people is quite a good return for me. Now, I have to meet. If I were in the audience, I would jump up and be one of those six people and say, "What is that? Where can I learn it?" You know, because we're hungry to learn. You know what works. But you know, this is the whole thing that I'm really into at the moment. Reading this book about, you know, the, the self-confirmation biases, which I know Steve mentioned as well where people um, will kind of say, I've invested all this work, here's a better model, Uh uh-oh, what a waste of time my my other training was. Um, It's too painful for a lot of people to realize that. So it's just easy to say, oh, well, this is a one-off, well, he's just got charisma or you know, this is just hypnosis. Well, it's not. These are teachable things that I could teach you to do, but um, you don't want to approach them because it's too out there, too uncomfortable, or makes you feel like you've wasted your time and money with your other trainings. So it's just easier to just... uh, deny
0: it <laughs> so i think that's really interesting this idea of confirmation bias um mm. and how that impacts people one of the things that's always impressed me about your background is that you know you spent a long time as a chartered psychologist yes going through the the more formal uh, training and seeing the results uh, like that and when people do that as we've talked about um i think a lot of people there's going to be a tendency to then see more rapid change methods and mm. immediately just poo poo them and go, well, yes. you know, because that conflicts with maybe some of the stuff that people have learned so far. So my question yes. is really what enabled you to mm. go beyond that that, that confirmation yeah. bias that you'd spend a, lo- a long time, I, I guess, working towards?
1: I think there are certain traits that we seem to all have in common. And one of them is um, a relentless search for the truth, regardless of school of ideology. You know, a lot of people align with an ideology of what they were taught whereas i 'm not loyal to any ideology i 'm a ruthless pragmatist i'll only keep what works you know if something was very good to me for ten years, but I find something else i 'll chop the other thing off you know i don't care whether it's got me a lot of money for ten years. The new thing is even more efficient i 'll take that on so it's it's you know people get a little bit oh, I like my old technique, I know how to do it you know i 've been doing it i 'm known for it whereas i'm i'm 'm embracing change you know I like I like change. A lot of people are very uncertain with it. So if you want to find the best, uh, most t- the technique that ticks the most boxes, you've got to be quite callous
0: mm-hmm.
1: about it and quite pragmatic. And um, some people will, will feel bad that they've been doing the job they've been doing when they could have actually done it better, more efficiently for their clients. Whereas some people, I mean, will say, great, I've now come across this technique now. This is fantastic. This makes me even more efficient. So
0: it's 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 that attitude about that. So, whilst we've spoken uh, about unconscious and conscious and bringing them into alignment, does that presuppose that someone's you don't need to look at someone's past or where they've got the problem mm. uh, so for them to to change or get over it? And is well, there a place for that kind it, of work?
1: Yeah, it's it's very relative because sometimes the subconscious mind will 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 kind of say look, I know how to change this. I've now agreed to change it or got permission to change it and it'll take care of it. Other times we will go, I'm going to change A, B and C, but not X, Y and Z because I need to go back and get more understanding or input or processing or reassurance or whatever the case may be. So sometimes you may have to look at specific events or phases in someone's life and get an extra kind of um, understanding in it because I think the subconscious mind is saying, Once you get a learning from something, then you can set it free. And I want this learning is important. I don't want to just, you know, process it. I want you to learn something from it. So I know I'm contradicting myself because analysts kind of think if I get perfect insight, but they're getting insight from a model. You know, like once you understand you have an Oedipal complex, then um, everything will fall in place. I'm not saying that. The subconscious mind wants to say, have you learned this lesson for self-betterment? What have you taken from this? I've taken that. You know, I should stop people pleasing or I should trust my instincts or I should trust it. That's the learning I'm talking about. And your um, subconscious wants the management part of the mind to learn that or he won't let it go. Just like, you know, my wife, she won't let an argument go unless I, you know, understand that what I did wasn't sensitive or inconsiderate or something. And I have to look at it from her point of view. Uh, but once I do and it's acknowledged, then she lets it go. because She thinks, well, you know, the less the, the whole experience wasn't wasted.
0: Um, When when we did the rapid fire round, you mentioned that the worst advice currently being given out within the world of change work is um, a belief that somehow depth of trance is the key to change. Could you elaborate on that? Tell us more about that.
1: Yes, this is one of my pet bugbears, along with curing people. So, like all people, when I first started training in hypnosis, I assumed, you know, what I was told which was um, you got to get someone really deep. The deeper, the better. You bypass the critical faculty, and then you can basically implant suggestions that won't be resisted. And I, and I believed that for quite a few years, and then of course you realise, well, hold on a second. In an NLP world, they're doing parts therapy without hypnosis. They're doing this. They're doing that. Or well, someone else is doing a surgical operation without being hypnotised. So you know what gives. And it reminded me, you know, what the philosopher. Karl Popper said which was in my training which is you know to to take on board a theory you've got to make it robust you've got to falsify it you've got to try and find if you can find an exception to if you can do it in another way and if you can't then the theory is robust but if you can then you've got to update the theory so once I started hearing of people or other techniques and I tested them and realized well actually I've tried that another way and still got the same result then I've had to go back the drawing board and update my theory and I've just had to literally thousands of examples where i haven't done super ultra depth hypnosis and still got a hypnosis like change mm. um, that's not to say that for some people maybe deep trance was the critical thing that you know tipped them over a threshold into change um i'm not ruling it off but it's not the only necessary thing we're aiming for so i'm not aiming for deep hypnosis anymore i'm aiming for change and they don't necessarily need to go together
0: so the the question I would then have is really about w- what is hypnosis for you then? And why would you um, induce it if the, the, the depth or how, if it can be done without hypnosis? What's, what's the purpose for you of using hypnosis as a tool?
1: Well, in the beginning, I would try and take the client into as deep a state as possible. Okay? And um, now I'm leading the, sub- I'm letting the subconscious mind lead. And I'm trusting the subconscious mind. You know, I, this is a client's maybe first experience, but I do this work all the time. So I know what the subconscious is capable of, if you know how to ask it. So I have more faith in it than the client. And I, I ask the subconscious mind to take the client to whatever level it feels comfortable. And if spontaneously along the way, as often seems to happen, they're going to spontaneous trance state, um, light, medium or deep. Great. Um, but if they don't, that's fine, too. Now, more often than not, you find people do go into it because. In, in, a, in a way which I wasn't really aiming for, it's also a way of overcoming resistance, you know, because if you say, so, right, I'm going to take you really deep up, I oh, what are you going to do to me? And it kind of puts, you know, puts its guard up. Say, I'm not really aiming for hypnosis. Let's see what happens. It goes, oh, that's fine. Well, let's really get into it and relax. And, oh, by the way, I can't move my arms. That was really weird. And, you know, I felt like you know, this disassociated state. I hear that quite a lot because basically i'm saying i let people spontaneously go into whatever state their subconscious mind is happy to take them into Mm. and i leave it up to the subconscious mind to do that not me
0: so could you give us a couple of examples of uh, a couple of real cases where people have come in with whatever issue and actually Mm. in a very relatively short space of time they've left and their problem has not just gone but it's a lasting result too
1: yeah, well, as you know, I, I do a lot of work with the food phobia stuff, and uh, you know, food phobia is wonderful because it's immediately measurable. I ask everybody to bring in food. You can either eat food or you can't. Mm-hmm. So I know exactly when it's worth. And by by the way, the largest feedback I get when they open their eyes is, you know, was that life for you? That was weird. That was odd. You know. Hardly anyone says that was relaxing. Uh, they go, that was odd. What was odd about it? I couldn't move my arms. I felt like this. I was drifting in and out. They say all the stuff of hypnosis-type symptoms, though we weren't actually aiming for it. And then, of course, they're eating food well over 95% of the time. That's happening all the time. Um, two recent cases come to mind where I'm more impressed. Hmm. And one person had OCD. Let's call him Darren. Um, which included checking things, checking labels on clothes, lots of rituals, uh, just have the kind of right feeling, touching things in a certain way. He was virtually a prisoner in his home, and he wanted to stay at home where he controlled everything. I did my standard protocol, and he, he wanted to book a second session follow-up, and, you know, someone says, you know, it's, it's like 95% better, it's 95% gone. My girlfriend thinks it's even more, but I don't want to be, you know, in case it comes back. And, we, you know, we talked about it, and it was a massive shift in one session with OCD, which is usually quite, and this is the second time this has happened, in one session change with OCD. And, um, you know, before that, there was a person who, uh, I'll call him uh, oh, John, who was in uh, a local private clinic, hmm. um, doing a lot of uh, inpatient um, group work, private CBT, lots and lots of therapy for, for fairly serious depression, lots of mindset issues. And we had four sessions, and he's completely discharged, and he's saying he have been singing your praises and stuff. And, um, you know, I saved the axe a lot of money. Um, these are things I'm more proud of because, you know, I help, you know, I see myself as an educator, as a, as a sort of teacher here as well. I'm teaching his system to get its needs met in a way and to get rid of the obstacles in the way. And as he did that, he was very, very dubious in the beginning and very skeptical about all this because he's used different therapy. He just realized I feel better and better and I've stopped smoking. And I've stopped this and I've also stopped that everything's just coming together and those are the moments that really do it for me you know i'm no longer impressed by the food phobics. because i do it all the time yeah it's it's stuff like this that uh you know i go away punching the air going yes you know um, that's really good to hear um yeah i could go on, and on.
0: that's 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 really mm. cool um but interesting that i wanted to find out more about how I mean, you you kind of inferred then that, you know, this is someone that's come and they've seen lots of people before and lots of different therapies. Um, How does the maybe cynicism that has been built up from failed therapeutic interactions Mm. with people, how Mm. do you help get past that? And is it even something that you need to get past or is it just you do your stuff?
1: Yeah, well, there's, there's a number of ways I do. Now, remember that. My client is the client's subconscious mind. It's, it's John's subconscious mind, not his conscious mind. And I know if I get trust with the subconscious mind and I tick its boxes, it's gonna to wanna to work with me regardless of the skepticism of the conscious mind. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So once I get the subconscious mind on board um, and it trusts me, it's gonna, it's gonna um, trust me to, to instruct and lead it uh, regardless of what everyone else thinks. And because it starts getting its needs met and feeling better, then the conscious mind starts saying, "Oh my gosh, I feel better." So that's the convincer. And you know, I have to say on this point that <laughs> change work is a tricky thing because, and I know we've said this on your Facebook page, that I've had clients come in and um, they were very skeptical. You know, I started being skeptical. I think, "Oh, I don't think they have what it takes." But you know, I might as well do my session here. I didn't think it was going to work, then I didn't think it think was going to work, then it had a good result, you know? So it wasn't even placebo, it's despite the skepticism. And then, of course, you have other clients where the converse applies think, oh, this is straightforward, it's going to be easy, I think it's easy, they're going to be easy, and then it's not easy, and something else pops up. So you really can't tell uh, with a client, but um, it, it, I know that people are skeptical, they've often tried different therapists before me, even different hypnotherapists before me, but it doesn't matter because I feel like my approach is really going where the action's at. And I think other people are not going with actions out. They haven't won over the rapport of the subconscious mind. So it's not on board with them. They can do the most beautiful induction or whatever, but mm. if they haven't won it over, then it's not willing to
0: change. And that's, that's the key to it, winning over the subconscious mind. So how do you go about setting up a dynamic that where, you, where you win over the unconscious or subconscious um, and treating that yeah. as your client? Well, I don't
1: go for super ultra depth, uh, which is what most people try for. <laughs> I do a lot of things together, which is a bit like um, it's a bit like a seduction, you know. Um, if you meet a person that you want to win over, um, you're doing lots of things, all coming together. You are listening, you're smiling, you're taking interest, you're doing empathy, you're doing a bunch of things that make a person think, you know, this person likes me, they they get me, I like being in their company, they they truly have an interest in me and care for me. All these things come together and a person wants to be with you more uh, or, or, or wants to continue. And I feel it's not necessarily what I do, but how I do it as well it is the real sophistication. So, you know, you can ask a person out in a kind of abrupt, brusque way, um, or you can do it in a sophisticated way. And I think the, 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 the techniques and the approaches I use in my approach is all about winning someone over in so many ways that they just think, you know what, I trust you, tell me what to do here, or let's work together. And that's, I think, the real key to it. Because I've had hundreds of people, hand on heart, who were hypnotized successfully by the therapist but still couldn't touch a vegetable or touch a spider. And then, you know, with what I do, they are without even being hypnotized. So it really is a case of what's the difference. Uh, for me, it's it's knowing how to win over the part of them that I need to win over that controls the change.
0: Would you say that you could have unconscious rapport with someone or con or, or rapport with their unconscious or subconscious without necessarily having conscious rapport
1: well yeah i i think i do that that's my primary aim to have um rap rapport with that i like to call it subconscious because i get a bit confused but unconscious i think with some else um mm. I'll, I'll, i'm aiming for su- rapport because you know wh- one of the things i do in my approach is I'm basically doing a lot of covert therapy because I'm aiming to win over the subconscious mind, not the conscious mind. Everything I do, I want the subconscious mind to go, wait a minute. Yeah, that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. This guy gets me. He finally understands me. It's like he wakes up and goes, who is this guy? You know, I want to know more. I want to work with him. So that's what I'm aiming for um because uh, many times uh how would people say you know when i when you first started talking about this part and this part I was like what the hell is this i was thinking oh i'm, I'm not into this and we're going to buy it. but then you know i felt really better that night and i thought whoa, you know that's different and i wanted to come back and know more so that happens quite a lot as well where people have this kind of odd look on their face when i first described my model i think oh god here we go but results you know it's it's the shift um mm-hmm. it's feeling better that brings them back Um, And often it's the first time they feel better, you know, all this wonderful intellectual therapy hasn't actually made them feel better So you work the subconscious and it starts to feel better and they go. Whoa, you know, um, do more of that So that's that's my client. That's the one I'm aiming to win over
0: so um, Going back to a little time ago uh, where Mm -hmm. you made some some waves in the media uh, Mm -hmm. About uh, something called the hypno boob job for me the interesting thing really related to what I would I would call the mind-body and the way in which yeah. the mind can change physically certain things. But also, I'd be curious to discuss with you a little bit more about the, the reaction uh, yeah. of, of people to that.
1: Well, uh, there is no mind-body. That's a false dichotomy. Um, it's all one system. <laughs> and we find that hard to understand because we've always seen it as mind versus body. Um, now I understand everything is related so you know i can give you endless examples of how thoughts influence uh emotions and physical changes of body and vice versa they're, they're both going both ways you know so you know, you imagine a, an attractive person you're going to start seeing changes in the body measurable changes oh yeah well that's just that well a thought is causing a lot of chemical changes in the body it happens all the time over everything you know mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the big deal so i um I wasn't the first person to do this. I read up on some books on some people who've done this before. And obviously, I did an experiment. It it worked really well for the first two people I did it with. And I tried it with some groups, still kind of high success rate. And then I got a little bit silly. Um, I started thinking, oh, great. You know, I've, I've, I've discovered something amazing. I need to tell the world. And despite the advice of my wife and uh, dad and was saying, oh, you know, are you sure the world's ready for this? They're not going to think of this and that. No, no. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be cowed by public opinion. And uh, basically they were right. The, the people weren't receptive for it. I got a lot of flack from it. Um, and it's a shame because I, I hate having to um, hide the truth or not say something. It goes against my principles. I'm always, you know, I don't like being someone telling me don't say that because it makes me want to say it more in a way mm-hmm. but in this case um everyone just most people took it really badly and it was a learning for me that you know you got to pace it with um what people are ready for as well um to be honest hypno grub is easy anyone can do it the really impressive stuff is other levels of healing mm-hmm. which again i'm not even ready to talk about because people are going to hear this and go bs you know so i've learned my lesson a bit that when i do research and i do stuff i'm going to keep it the people who are already open to it um because it's so far out there for so many people that they just won't believe it um but again i come across quite what i think are amazing things often enough that i know the mind body system can affect these changes um but a lot of people who weren't be in it will think I'm talking BS or trying to rip someone off.
0: So, it's a um, good old confirmation bias in action again.
1: Well, yeah. And this is the thing. People aren't aware of their reasoning process. They don't understand their biases. You know, as Rumsfeld said, they don't know what they don't know. So they assume they know everything they need to know. Hmm. Um, and this is what gets people in trouble. And I, I could poke endless holes in all their debates and arguments, but then you, you seem like a defensive therapist. So you just think, okay, everyone's going to say this. And, you know, here we go. Um, it's an interesting lesson in being on being on the receiving end of a lot of biases and ignorance and prejudice, actually. Um, mm. And it, it kind of taught me, you know, just because I'm passionate about something doesn't mean I just go out there and start, you know, preaching it. You've got to pick your audience next time.
0: Yeah, It's uh, interesting and certainly wets the whistle in terms of some exciting things, possibly, that, um, you know, the world is not ready for yet.
1: Well you know i'm already on a group where we kind of do far out stuff um and you know we, we discuss stuff like that. and if you're just launched into it it's just too much you've got to be eased into it because you just wouldn't believe you can do this you know a lot, a lot of people train on course thing oh hypnosis kind of makes someone a bit relaxed and you know can lower some blood pressure and can make them a bit more positive it can do so much more than that you know it, it can do amazing things but people just don't believe it because that's all they were taught in their course they weren't taught to really go for something. I know people who are too scared to do stop smoking or weight loss because there's a result. And if they don't get the result, they're scared. So they do just general feeling good, ego boosting, you know, really wishy-washy, um, no risk, um, low risk kind of stuff. Um, but it's a shame because, you know, I believe in stretching, uh, the boundaries and pushing, pushing the boundaries out there. Uh, but unfortunately you've got to do it with like-minded people.
0: Absolutely. It's uh, But it's good to hear that you have that that pioneering spirit, and uh, mm. I guess that's one of the things that keeps you excited.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I have to say, people can get excited about football, and they, they, they cry if grown men are kicking a ball about but ultimately, I'm a philosopher, you know, I love knowledge, and knowledge of the human mind is the thing I, I love hearing, so it's always going to excite me, and, you know, I want to know what else it can do, what can I do, what can I do for myself, what can I do for other people, where can we take this thing? It's a pioneering thing. Some people have it about space Hmm. and I have about, you know, internal space. But it's something that's always going to keep me passionate and learning and trying. And that's, again, some of the temperaments I see shared with other people. Um, They just want to know what's
0: going on here. So given that there's a... a obviously you mentioned that a lot of people are just learning on courses and things that hypnosis mm. is just you know gentle relaxation and yeah just relaxing a little bit and so on and mm. very gen- where can people go and what should people uh, read where yeah. should they learn if they want to get good at change work the sort of change work that, that you're talking about
1: oh gosh oh okay you have to read really widely with different models even if they're a little bit uncomfortable to read because they stretch your current line of thinking you've mm. got to read stuff and you've got to be a bit ballsy and take risks because if you're not pushing yourself, you're, you're not really being as good as you can be in seeing where, where you can go. With these amazing, you know, techniques that you've been taught. So you've got to read widely and try lots of different things and uh, pick the ones that relate to you. But, you know, you can have a really safe little practice or you can really, you know, go for it. And again, who dares wins. I think if you, if you try a lot of stuff, failure. There's no failure. It's, it, it's part of um, understanding and taking things to the next level. Um, that's what really, uh, that's what takes the next level, I'd say. So, you know, a lot, a lot of people are not, are not very risk aversive. They're afraid of looking silly. They're afraid of looking this and that. And it's just, you need to change the way you see things as this is a process of learning. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing good stuff now, but I hope to do even better stuff in the future. Uh, why? Just for the sheer fun of it, just to see you know, what I can do. Where's my potential? And uh, where's the client's potential?
0: So can you think of the three books that someone could go out and buy right now that would be a good place for them to start?
1: Transforming uh, Therapy by Gil Boyne, only because I'm looking at it. It's on my bookshelf. Okay. Um, Matthew Syed, uh, Black Box Thinking. Um, uh, uh, Magical Sticks and Monsters. I'm kind of reading what's on my bookshelf in front of me. It's put me on the spot. But there's not one book that I thought, well, this is it. This is my guru. Yeah. It's really taking stuff out of it that I thought, I like that, and I like that, and I like that, and making your own model. Well, at least that's what I did. Yep. So, um, you know, when I teach my stuff, I don't expect people to be bought in, you know, hook, line, and sinker. They'll take stuff from it that relates to them and, you know, develop it and make it their own. That's how knowledge goes. Um, yes. Cool. I would recommend my course because a lot of condensed wisdom. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, still read widely yeah.
0: so if there are people that want to get in touch with you or hear more about the work you're doing how should they do yeah. that how can they get in touch
1: um i think easiest way ways to get on my website and just send me an email and i'm adding a bunch of people who've emailed me saying i'm interested in your training when you're doing it well i think from november onwards is when it's going to be set up so you know i've got a, a little database of people so if you just uh, google my name or um go to my you know main website which is uh www.the-heath.co.uk. And again, just Google my name. It'll come up. Just send me an email saying I'm interested in this or that and I'll put you on my uh, my database and when uh, well, when it's set up and running, I'll let people know. Cool. And just we'll, join my Facebook page.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll put the links to all of this stuff on the Rapid Change Works uh, website uh, as Great. well. Um, Felix, before we finish up, I wanted to ask, is there anything that you know, when we talked about you coming on and talking with us mm-hmm. and discussing the, the ideas of rapid change that you thought would be useful to share with people that we haven't covered yet?
1: Well, I know a lot of people, Howard, who have done a one or two week course with one of these conveyor belt training organisations and a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. They've got some gimmicky techniques they set up in Harley Street and they start, you know, doing this, oh yeah, I'll sort this out in a session. Then they're surprised when it doesn't work. Because really, you've got to have more of a a knowledge of what's really going on. You've got to know whether this is amenable to a surface, a quick um, change, or whether there's other things going on which you need to address. So, you know, don't just do minimum training and think that's all you need to know and believe your trainer and that, you know, this will work in every time like it does in the session because real life is very different. So just this is a job where you're paradoxically an internal student as well as a teacher and a therapist Um, you just have to read widely you have to test your theories um, a lot and keep upgrading Um, otherwise you'll you'll get a nasty surprise a nasty reality check I think
0: Well thank you Felix it's been an absolute joy to chat with you and uh, a lot of fun and I hope the listeners have found it as interesting uh, as I have um, in talking with you as well. Thank you very much Howard, good to speak with you again as well I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, why not share it with anyone you think might be interested and even head over to iTunes to give us a glowing review you'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapid change works And of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus those free five steps to getting your suggestions to sizzle over at rapidchange.works.